0: I've been talking about worship as many of you know for the last number of weeks. And it's something the Lord is doing in my own heart because I realized that for a number of years my worship was contained or at least mostly contained in my inner man. And there are areas in that in my life, that the Lord wants to sanctify completely through the exercise of worship. Did you know that's an exercise? And it does sanctify you. What I mean by the word sanctify, the word sanctify is simply the word set apart. In Psalm, he tells us that God has set the godly one apart. I think it's in Psalm 4. Let me just turn to that real quick. That word just came to my mind. I want to read it to you so that you hear it from the word of God. Psalm 4 verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. That's what the word sanctify means. When the Lord sanctifies you and I, whether he does it in a small, concentrated way or area of our life, or whether he kind of does it on a broad stroke, like he just takes a big chunk of your life and he says, this I want to sanctify for myself. He sets it apart. He takes it where it was and he sets it apart for himself, for his use, for his glory, for his purpose that's what god does when he sanctifies us so keep that word in mind sanctify means to set apart in 1st thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 this is the word i've been pondering now may the god of peace himself sanctify set apart you entirely not just one part of you the complete part of you. Entirely. Nothing left in your life that isn't set apart to God for Himself. Sanctify you entirely. And here's the entirety of you and I. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved Completely. Nothing left unpreserved or unsanctified for God Himself to use for His glory. Your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved completely. How completely? This is the completeness of it. Without blame. Without blame. That means that God doesn't put any blame on you anymore for anything. He has taken everything in your life and He's sanctified it. He's set it apart for Himself. And there's no blame in it. Without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blame in other translations is also used without blemish. I like that word a little better. I think it it describes... A, a, a little uh, a better in other scriptures where what when God sanctifies us, He takes away our blemishes. It says He will come for a pure and spotless bride. One without blemish, without spot. Ephesians tells us. And so I think the word blemish fits very well. And now listen to these words. Verse 24. Faithful is He... Who calls you to be set apart to sanctify you? He's faithful and He also will bring it to pass. Amen. So, dear brothers and sisters, if this word this morning overwhelms you and you see areas in your life that are not without blemish and that haven't been entirely set apart for His glory, be encouraged. He's faithful, and he will do it. However, he needs a willing and obedient heart to accomplish it. He needs my, me, and you to be willing first of all, be willing, and then to be obedient for him to accomplish that. But it doesn't depend on your pursuit of God or your devoutness or 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 your. Um, Your determination to accomplish this. He is faithful and he will keep coming to you and I and saying, I want to set this apart. And if there's a struggle there, if there's an incompleteness there, if there is still some blemish there, he is faithful, that means he'll do it again and again and again and again. And to me, the word that describes this most beautifully is in 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, whenever, however, if ever you confess your sin, He always, He is faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means whatever sin that He reveals to me, He is always faithful. Every time I confess it, He will do it. He will every time not only forgive, He'll cleanse us from the unrighteousness of that sin. The error that that sin led me into, the incorrectness it brought into my own life, into my family, into my wife and my children, my brothers and sisters, He'll cleanse it. He'll cleanse that error away. That's beautiful. That's why when Jesus commanded us to forgive each other, why this is so important, he said you must forgive each other 490 times a day. 490 times a day? I like to say scriptural in my definition of things, Jesus also said there are 12 hours in a day. So I say, okay, 490 times in 12 hours. Have you done the math on that? It breaks down to about every minute. Every minute? Seriously? Like every minute to minute and a half. Check the math. Can someone check that math? And then you let me know when we get when you have it. And we'll we'll get an accurate one. But I, I did it one time, and as I recall, it was about every minute to minute and a half. Now I want you to think about his faithfulness in your life. And if you In 490 times this day, today, the Lord shows you there's a blemish in your life there and you confess your sins. He is faithful. That's the standard He gave to us. He is much greater than the standard He gave to us. Yet He is faithful. And yet how easily we can get into this into this, like it's like a cloud that can come over, like a thunderstorm brewing, that our mistakes and our blemishes, can have in our life, where it blocks out the sun, of righteousness, who comes with healing in his wings, to forgive us, and to cleanse us, but we let him pile up, and it builds up like this huge, dark thundercloud, that can block out the sun, in our life, don't let satan, Don't do it yourself. Don't allow things to stack up over your life. Allow the Lord to cleanse you, to set you apart, to sanctify you entirely in this area. Did someone find the math? Josh, Reese? Huh? One minute and 28 seconds. There you go. You may turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. There's a very intentional reason that I prefaced what I said right now to you before I go into this. Because if you don't approach this clear instructive word of God to our hearts and you see blemishes very likely you will, I do, I have, and I still will because I believe that the Lord will continue to show me shine His light, the light of His Word, into my heart, into areas I have not yet seen today, as of this moment, even tonight, or even as I'm sharing this Word with you, the Lord will probably shine it a light on my own heart and say, Phil, here's an unsanctified area in your life that I want to cleanse you from. And as I'm sharing the Word with you in my own heart, I want to say, Lord, forgive me confess it before my heart in my heart acknowledge it accept his word, confess it and receive that cleansing that setting apart even as I'm sharing it with you and it's very important that we have that heart that attitude toward God's word or else two things happen to us at least they do to me and you're probably a lot like me. One is a thunder cloud builds up and you begin to see your blemishes and and it can actually block the sun, and you can leave condemned, feeling like, man, this was a a huge thunderstorm of a message in my life. It poured rain, it hailed, like David said last night, happened in their life, in their home, and you know, there's the lightning, there's the thunder, there's the rain, there's a the, there's a the blast of a trumpet. I was reading to the boys. We're reading through Exodus, and we were reading how God in Exodus brought Israel the first time that Israel as a nation came to God. And God spoke to them one-on-one. It was a really amazing experience. Awful experience. That's what they called it. They said, this is so awful that if God continues to deal with us like this and speak to us like this, we're all surely going to die. That's how awful the experience was from. They had no doubt. They ran. They turned and ran for their life. They, they put themselves far from the mountain when God had said, come right up to the mountain, stand there, don't touch the mountain, but I want to talk to you. And Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 12, that even Moses himself, verse 21, verse 20, he says, For they could not bear the command if even a beast touches the mountain it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. And then the Holy Spirit says these beautiful words and I read to the boys these words because it was very important that they understand that we don't come to God this way anymore. God doesn't come near to us this way anymore. Look at these words. Verse 22 of Hebrews 12. But you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem to the myriads of angels. You're right now my dear brother and sister when God comes to set you apart you come into the presence of myriads of angels. You come to Mount Zion. You come to the city of the living God. You come to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. All of these who are there in heaven, they're there witnessing us coming to our God. God speaking to us, setting us apart. They are witnesses of all this. That's what we are coming into. To the judge of all and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. And then listen to this, and to Jesus. I mean, up to this point, I am trembling. I don't know about you, but when I think of myself, of coming to God and confessing my sin, and He's setting and sanctifying me, and I'm coming in the presence of myriads of angels, and to all the spirits of the just made perfect who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, I'm shaking inside. But listen to these words. And you have come to Jesus, the mediator. The mediator of a new covenant, not like the old one, that said if you touch this mountain, you will die. The cloud isn't there anymore. The dark, dark thundercloud of lightning and flashes, the blast of the trumpet has been made silent. And you come to Jesus. And that's all you see. All of these are witnessing, but your eyes are on Jesus. God the judge is there, but Jesus stands in front of him. And I like to picture it this way, that when I'm coming to God and I'm walking down this aisle, Jesus stands up. He stands up out of his throne and he comes to meet me. And he comes to meet you and I. He's the mediator. He puts himself between God, the judge of all flesh, and me. And Jesus stands there and I see his scarred hands and his wounded side. I begin to see the price that he paid for my forgiveness. And to the sprinkled blood. You see? That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing his sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. And I shared with the boys, do you know what the blood of Abel spoke? So we went back and we read it and I was, it was so impressed in our Bible studies. We spoke of Cain and Abel. God said to Cain, Where is your brother? And Cain answered, Am I my brother's keeper? And God said these amazing words to him. Your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. What was it crying out? Vengeance! Vengeance! That's what it was crying out. God, judge him. He destroyed my life. Jesus' blood does not cry that out. Jesus' blood also was shed, and it's also crying out. But you know what it's crying out? I told the boys, do you remember the words that Jesus spoke when they shed his blood on the cross? When those nails pierced into his hands and blood spurt out of His arms? his arms, what were the words he said? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That's the cry of the sprinkled blood of Jesus, our mediator. Forgive him, Please, my dear brothers and sisters, let this approach of the new covenant way be your way to come to God. Experience this new, as Hebrews 10 said, this new and living way to the Father. It is a new way. It's not like they, their way was. That was God. And it was right. He was holy. And it was just. But He's now created a new way. Come to Him in the new way. Because we're speaking about worship. And as I've been pondering what worship really means, the Lord gave it to me in one simple word. Phil, It's fellowship. It's me having fellowship with you. That's what it is. Worship is contained in the fellowship with God Almighty, His Son Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. That is worship. And He is desiring us to worship, John 4, Jesus said, the Father is seeking those to worship Him in spirit. And in truth, complete entirety, the whole. And so my life and your life should simply be wrapped up in this one word. Worship. What is your life? What is your life? Is it a life of worship? Then these words in Romans chapter 12 will be the instructive word of your life and will slowly but surely be our testimony. I want, to, want you to get that. Not in an overnight blink of an eye happening, no. But it will be slowly but surely my testimony, the testimony of my life People will testify. My family will testify. The church fellowship will testify. My community will testify that that is His life. That's the testimony is when other people testify of God's work in your life. Romans chapter 12. I urge you therefore brethren By the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, which is acceptable, and perfect. It starts out, good, and that goodness, God accepts. And He makes it perfect. Do you see the progression? And I think we do ourselves a great disfavor when we say that worship is contained only in my spirit. Because what happens is, there are then many areas in my life that remain unsanctified, unset apart for God's glory. And we excuse ourselves and say, oh, worship is in the spirit. It doesn't, you know, I don't want to have soulish worship. I don't want to have... Bodily worship, like the Catholics emphasize, and do penance, and lay on a bed of nails, and and all of this bodily thing that they do to earn their salvation. So we say, we don't want to have that. And then we say, well, we don't want to have soulish worship, because, you know, it's not just in the expression, it's not just in the soul. We want to have true worship is in the spirit. But what I've seen in my own life, that when that is emphasized, then I begin to contain worship. My fellowship with God only in my inner man. And I isolate that. And I build like walls of insulation around my spirit from my soul and my body. My soul, many areas of it, and my body remain unset apart in my fellowship with God. This is dangerous. It's subtle because it sounds true. But it's only partly true, this truth. And so I beg you, brothers and sisters, don't fall for it. Sure, we may see in Christendom around us, Christians that are very soulish in their worship. They express it a lot, maybe in their soul with feelings and emotions. And maybe there's a lack of spirit in it. Don't let that scare you though from worshiping in the soul, because if your soul remains unsanctified, there will be many areas in your life, that will be unsanctified, in your fellowship with God. And likewise in our body. I think that many Christians perhaps excuse themselves, and they don't allow the Holy Spirit, to really take their whole body, and set it apart for His glory, as a temple of the Holy Ghost, because they say, oh, well, I'm not going to worship God in the body. It really doesn't mean anything. What's really meaningful is the Spirit. But let the Holy Spirit sanctify you entirely. Your whole body, soul, and spirit. And I'm going to show you from the Word that this is God's good and acceptable and perfect will for us to have fellowship with Him this way so he's speaking here about our bodies and it's very interesting that he kind of begins with the body why so because when the holy spirit come came down from heaven he was looking for a body he was looking for bodies to fill and to express himself through to the world and he still is He is looking for your body and my body so He can use my tongue, my mouth. He can use my eyes. He can use my mind. He can use this body, my hands and my feet to do His will on the earth. And without a body, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a good representation, expression or demonstration of Himself on the earth. And it's like, he says in Second Corinthians chapter 4 or chapter 5, one of those chapters, you can look it up, where he says, now you are ambassadors on the earth in Christ's stead. When God sent Jesus, he sent him with a body. And it was very important to this day that Jesus came, not in the form of a cloud, but in a body, a man's body. So that He could like in everything else be made, Hebrews 2 says, like His brethren. Why? So He could deliver us from the power of the flesh and all of its lusts. And until Jesus came in the form of a body, that truth was never clearly demonstrated on the earth. God tried to through speaking, but when God speaks, He speaks like thunder. He even did over Jesus When God spoke in an audible voice over Jesus' life, the people said, He thundered. That's what they heard was thunder. Jesus heard His Father's voice saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. And it would still be that today without a body. So don't allow yourself to be cheated from the Holy Spirit taking your body and say, oh, it's meaningless, it's just my body. No! It's the body God created and gave to you for, set, to be set apart for His use and building His church on the earth. It's your spiritual service of worship to God. And that's why He says, don't allow your body to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? In your soul, the renewing of your mind. Renew your thought process. Isaiah said, God spoke to Israel in Isaiah 55. He says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. For as the heavens are high, higher than the earth, so much higher are my ways and my thoughts than yours. But now he says, I've come to give you my thoughts. That's why I pray over the boys nightly. Lord, Give them dreams of your thoughts towards them. Your thoughts towards them. Let them ponder that in the night seasons. Oh, that's transforming, brother, sister. If you're having bad dreams, dear brothers and sisters, start by presenting your body in this living way. Lord, in my body, I need help. My thoughts are not transforming my life. They're plaguing me. Give me your thoughts to transform my night experience. I tell you, you pray that sincerely. You pray it in faith. God will do it. He will do it. But He'll change your actions too. He'll change the movies you watch before you go to bed. He'll change the books you read before you go to bed. And He'll take His living word and He'll say, Feed on my word. Ah, it'll change your dreams. Or he might say to you, don't fill your tummies bursting full and go to bed and sleep that night. Present your body a living sacrifice to me and it will change your dream life. It's true, brothers and sisters, you can't divorce it. You see, we get into trouble when we suffer as Christians because we... We segregate these three. God has made them one. He wants to entirely sanctify them. And as your faith is, so let it be to you. But I want to tell you and encourage you that God wants to sanctify your body, your soul, and your spirit entirely with His Word. And as the Lord speaks truth unto you, you walk in faith as He speaks it to you. For me and for my house, I want to serve the Lord 100%. I want to go and, and, and take this word and say, Lord, in all those areas that I'm still unsanctified, I have faith and believe that you will do it. You will do it. You'll make what is good acceptable and you'll make what is acceptable perfect in my life. May not happen in a night, but I want to walk in obedience to receive and experience that all the days of my life. And I believe that one day, when I see him, 1 John 3 will happen. I'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye, Thessalonians says, and will be made like him. But also when I also want to obey 1 John chapter 3, where he says, as many as have this hope in themselves, they purify themselves, even as he is pure. So prove in your body, your soul, and your spirit The grace, verse 3, that has been given to you. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For we, just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ, according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. And I'm going to kind of encapsulate it there with you brothers and sisters. This is the spirit in which we must go about our lives of fellowship with Jesus Christ in worship. Recognize the grace that has been given to you. Do not compare yourself with others and be tripped up by where they are in their obedience to Christ and say, that must be made mine. Come to God's word with an open heart and say, Lord, if you shine the light of your grace, the light of your word in my heart, and you want to change me in this area, then give me grace for it. And He will do it. He'll give you grace. That means His divine heavenly influence. And to me, grace is described perfectly in Ephesians chapter 3, where He says, that He will strengthen you in your inner man with all might by His Spirit. That's grace. Grace is also that this benevolent favor. There's two aspects of grace but it this benevolent favor does this. It gives me strength in my inner man to walk with Him and live out the truth that He presents to me. But it's not with a The spirit of which they came to Mount Sinai with. Thunder and lightning and fear where you have to run for your life thinking I will surely die. If He says any more to me, I can't bear it. No. You come to Jesus and you see Him there. The sprinkled blood. It doesn't cry for vengeance. It cries out, forgive them. They don't know yet what they're doing yet. It's okay. But we come. And we come in faith. And He brings us this grace and says, Come, I'll walk with you. I know you can't do it yet. But I'll walk with you. I'll hold your hand. And together we'll be heirs of the grace of life. I love those words. That we become heirs in Romans 8. Heirs together with Him. That means I inherit this living word in my body and in my soul, in my mind, in my hands, My feet have become heirs with him of the grace of life. So walk in the grace that has been given to you, and as God allots you the measure of faith. And I'll continue with this. This is just the opening of where I wanted to go because I wanted to share with you from the Word how it affects our hands. Lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting, 1 Timothy chapter 2 tells us. I would that men pray everywhere, not hands in your pockets. I don't know if you do this or not, dear brother, sister, but if you don't, I want to encourage you to put your faith in the living, instructive word of God and when you come to prayer, make it a coming with lifting up your hands. If you haven't done it yet, it might be a dead work of faith, But if you put your faith in the Word of God, God will open your eyes to see that all through the Word, God relates to Him with us coming with hands up, clean hands, holy hands, no wrath and no doubting in it. And it will be a blessing to you. It will be a means of grace has been to me. My faith is there. If your faith isn't there, I just want to encourage you, go into the Word, Allow the Lord to grow this faith in your heart. Ask Him, am I missing something in my body of worship towards you, Father? Have I missed it? Have my hands missed it? And has my spirit been affected by it? In Colossians chapter 3, I'm just going to quickly go through a few of these to give you a synopsis of where I'm going. Colossians chapter 3, he says, If your life then is risen with Christ, set your mind on things above Not on things on the earth. Have you learned the beauty of the discipline of meditation in His Word? Not just reading it and moving on. Thinking hard about it. In Proverbs 2, I love this. It says, well, in Proverbs 2, He talks about us too. But I'm thinking about the Word. Maybe it's in Psalm 111. You can Google it if you want. It says, great are the works of the Lord... They are studied out by all those who fear Him and who love Him. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth in your life. Are you doing that? Is that part of your worship? Study. Meditation should be a part of my mind being set apart for His glory. It's part of your soul, is your mind. And yes, it will affect your will. How about your emotions? Are they dead towards God? I'm not preaching an emotional gospel. But I tell you, if you close that door and say, I'm not going to be a certain Christian, a Pentecostal Christian, or a charismatic Christian as we use the words broadly, not in judgment, but broadly, And so, you close your heart of emotions towards God in worship towards Him. I tell you, there will be a big part of your soul that will have all kinds of feelings and emotions that are not set apart for His glory. And the Holy Spirit won't be able to sanctify them and use them for His glory. You'll use them on your own will, on your own life. You do have emotions, you do have feelings, and you have them on the earth instead of set apart and putting them in heaven. That's just a brief synopsis of how I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to sanctify us in our worship of service towards Him entirely, our body, our soul, and our spirit. And I urge you, my dear brothers and sisters, don't be robbed, don't be cheated by some doctrine or teaching that you may have received or may have heard of and puts a fear in your heart and so you close that door. Come to him. Come to Jesus the mediator. Put your faith in his work. Faithful is he who called you. He also will do it. Father I pray that you would do this in my own life and I thank you that I come to you this morning to Jesus, the mediator of this new covenant. Not to the thunder and the lightning and the cloud and the blast of the trumpet, but to Jesus. In the presence of all the heavenly mirrors of angels and in the presence of the spirits of righteous men made perfect who have gone on before us, yet we come to Jesus the sprinkling of His blood. I pray that You would do this work continually, faithfully in our hearts increase our faith to come to You in faith and accept Your Word and obey in faith. In Jesus' name, Amen.